And good morning. Welcome to CFRC 101.9. You are listening to Life of Kingston. I am Michael Ashton Smith, and this is a segment airing this summer for eight weeks only. We've got three weeks left, including this week. And what we do here is we take a look at arts and cultural events happening in Kingston, around Kingston, ones that have already happened or ones that are going to happen in the future and rarely, sometimes, things that are going on right now. And if you've been following the show, you'll probably recognize a pattern that's been developing is we'll start off by looking at stuff that happened the previous week and then we'll uh, segue into some stuff that's going to be going on in the next couple weeks that you guys should keep an eye on. So let's get into our content without further ado. Kingston Buskers Rendezvous was going on all throughout downtown this past weekend from Thursday to Saturday. It was wild. Some of these people are, well, I guess all of these people are professional buskers, and that's something that I didn't realize. I thought it was just people with some cool and quirky hidden talents that they liked performing in front of people, but no, it's these people do this for a living. So I spoke to people from not just around Kingston, but all over the world, grabbed some interviews from them, and then we are here to show those interviews to you. We'll start off with this one from a guy who's local. He's from near. He's been to Kingston Buskers Rendezvous. I'm sure he'll talk about that in the interview. But this guy's a guy called Dynamike. And he just loves to play with the crowd. And there's nothing more that I can say that he can't already say better. So here is the interview with Dynamike. And we'll be following that up with some other people who are also down there at Kingston Buskers Rendezvous 2019. And so welcome. I am here at Kingston Buskers Rendezvous 2019. And we just witnessed a great performance from Dynamike. And so Dynamike. So for those for people who weren't here at Buskers. Do you want to walk them through your performance, what you just did? Yeah, so um, kind of like, uh, so before I did my show, I was over there and I was talking with some people and I thought to myself, all right, let's give these people a good set of feelings. And the good feelings that I wanted them to have was um, try to generate some sassy feelings, for sure. Um, happy feelings, yeah. For sure, there's definitely some sassiness and some happiness, which I think is a winning combo as a busker. So I guess when you go up to shows, do you always think like, this is the spin that I'm going to put on it today? And do you like read the crowd in that sense? That's a good question. Uh, I used to busk all the time, like all the, all the time. Like if it was Tuesday in February, I'd be like in some rainy, <laughs> some rainy square in England doing a show. And um, I don't do that anymore. So for 10 years, I was a busker, like a full-time, <clears throat> either doing festivals or mostly you're doing street, like in the shoulder seasons of spring and fall. And... Um, when I was in that mode for, for those years, I was pretty obsessive. Like, I would just busk, 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 busk. And show, from show to show, um, in my personal life, not much would happen to inform new creativity. Whereas now, I'm at a new place where I'm, I'm just doing events um, because I'm almost 40 and uh, grinding the street is, to say the least, is quite difficult emotionally and psychologically. So uh, now that I'm just doing events, um, yeah, I, do think, I do think much more often about, like, what can I give as a gift to the crowd? You know, like, did you know any presentation that you hear or a show that you watch or a TV show or a TV program or even your radio shows, 
at the very instant it's done, like 90% of it has already been forgotten, like not to be reclaimed unless someone's hypnotized or something, who knows. But um, yeah, whenever you do a show, 90% is forgotten when you're done, and then like a week later, it's like people won't even think of it again most often. So when I think about that, um, I recognize that uh, that street performance, like any other kind of theater, like those feelings, like as, as much as sassiness is sort of jokey and sassy, um, like happiness is a real gift. And so, yeah, I um, I definitely try to uh, evoke like genuine sorts of human camaraderie or happiness. And even though it's silly, like there's something pronounced and valuable about that. Yeah, because when I was watching your performance here, that's the thing I noticed is that it wasn't even so much about the tricks. It's because people will see people juggling. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It's about the performance, about that yeah. interaction with the audience. So how do you think your shows, I guess beyond just the street performance versus the festival performance, yeah. uh, how's it evolved over the years? That's because you've done this for quite a while, right? Yeah, I started, I actually, if I can take a little tangent, I started, um, I started in 1996 after visiting the Kingston Busker Rendezvous in 1996. So I, I came here and I watched, um, it was actually just on the, was at the southern end of uh, City Hall? Just in front, it was right there. I'm pointing at it for the radio listener. It was right there and I was watching the Butterfly Man and when he was performing I thought, oh my God, like this is all I ever want to do now. Yeah. So I, I started performing there in 1990. Uh, I started watching performing there and then I decided to be a busker. I went back to Peterborough where I'm from and I, I live now in Europe. And, um, and uh, yeah, I started doing my shows and from that to now, like some of the evolution is structure. You know, street performing uh, looks a lot more spontaneous than it is, for sure. Just like that line sounds more spontaneous than it is. I've got that written down somewhere. Um, but yeah, street performing it seems like uh, like a little bit of chaos, and it incorporates that a little bit, right? But but basically, like the what appears to be social chaos, people are pretty cohesive. You know, we we act very similarly. And so um, what I realized early on is that. You can try to uh, you can try to pull in people with like some sort of personality power, right? And like um, you know, shout really loud or really loud music or bombastic moves or whatever. But um, the truth is that uh, we're all sort of geared toward uh, toward gathering in crowds and acting as crowds. And so over the years, I've realized that a lot more. And so I sort of play to that part of humanity. Like the first part of the show, I realize is like bring the people together, make them like you, you know, and get them to like each other. People when they clap together, they by just by doing that, they kind of like each other more, you know? When everyone laughs together, they feel like they're part of something and they like all the other members of the thing. So that's nice, so I've realized that. Um, and so my show over the years has become, as you observed, more about that. Like, how do you bring the people together? And the tricks are just, uh, the tricks are sort of like plot points. You know, you get there, you do this, and then you go talk to this guy, and, hey, oh, look at this, oh, this guy's funny, oh, how about this, look at this, hey, look over there, and then do something else, and then hey, blah, blah, blah. And so in terms of the actual learning the skills that you needed to, was that, a big challenge or? Well, it wasn't a challenge because I was obsessed. Like when I started, I was a gymnast. And so I did a lot more acrobatics, but unfortunately I've developed a bit of a belly here, which uh, keeps me a little bit more uh, close to the ground. I'm not flipping around so often anymore, unfortunately, just because I'm a bit heavier as a, as a human and that's fine. It's no no big deal, no big issue. Um, but um, no, when I, when I started, I, um, I was in gymnastics. So I was training like hours and hours a week. Like, I don't know. 12 or 16 hours a week, I guess. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was just juggling all the time. And so the tricks, the tricks that I do now, they're more developed and, um, and I've learned just by playing with other performers everywhere I go and like looking at their stuff and comparing and teaching each other and stuff. But um, you know, the, tricks, uh, the tricks are fun, you know? Like physicality, physics, and that's what it is. Like juggling is just physics. 
you know? And, um, and that's kind of nice. Like when I launch my machetes uh, 30 feet in the air, people get like really nervous, but I'm watching it and it doesn't speed up or slow down. You know, how fast it's spinning is how fast it's spinning, how fast it's falling is how fast it's falling. So it's, uh, you know, a subconscious calculation. I just put my hand here and there it is, you know? So yeah, like uh, for the tricks, I learned them just by obsession. And then I, I've kept them just by understanding the simple physics of it. Awesome. And so you mentioned you were busking in England at one point. So this is a profession that's taking you all over. Yeah, yeah. So what's that life like just kind of roaming from place to place? I think another person put it as transient. Yeah, yeah. I was, a, I was certainly a cultural nomad for, for uh, the better part of those 23 years. Um, for eight of those years, I didn't live anywhere specifically. I was just on the move. I had a, you know, an address so the government could send me messages and say, hey, get in touch. Um, but for the most part, I was just moving around the world. And uh, what's it like? It's amazing. You know? The world is, uh, what is it? Like, um, there's a whole bunch of theorists that say it. Like, like eco uh, economics is like um, group intelligence because the systems that it, um, that it surveys and that it manipulates and that it uh, works with are too complicated for anybody or even any computer system to uh, fully comprehend. And uh, yeah, that, that idea about economics is, you know, mirrored in culture like yeah the places I've been and doing shows for people like the way that they live is is similar but there's so many interesting differences and so just on a human scale that's been uh, extraordinarily valuable for my own development like just to recognize that all these potentials exist you know in the world we very much everybody lives in a bubble until they go out of that bubble and see oh my god this is very very different I guess leading off of that, uh, we're kind of full circle. You would have started busking when you saw mm -hmm. Rendezvous back in '96, yeah, yeah. and now you're back here. What's that like? Just coming back to the places it all started. Well, I hope that you become a busker now, having been inspired by my show. I hope that you go out and busk and travel around and do some jokes. Now, what's it like? Yeah, I was interviewed yesterday by another gentleman uh, here in Kingston, and he asked me something very similar. Like, uh, does it feel nice to now be teaching other people? And it does feel nice. Yeah, street performing is um, it's an organic thing. It was not invented by anybody, like language or, or culture itself. It just, um, yeah, it's, it's also it's like groupthink or group show or I don't know what the word would be. But yeah, it's, a, it's certainly a, um, it's a feature of humanity itself. And uh, being part of it, as a, as a part of humanity, busking is pretty, pretty generous. You know, buskers give a lot more than they get, you know? Like we survive and some, some buskers do quite well. And I've done quite well sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the ability first to make crowds happy is nice, but also to empower other artists who are doing the same thing is also very nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, spiritually rewarding. Yeah. So that is going to probably wrap up the time that we do have for today. Yeah. Thank you so much for your sure. comments. Sure, can I say one more thing? Yeah, no worries. Um, hey there, home listeners. Uh, if you'd like to uh, follow along and watch some silly videos on YouTube or um, get spiritually edified or at least confused, uh, by watching my Instagram videos. Uh, they are available on Instagram at Dynamike. That's D-Y-N-A Mike. Dynamike loves you. Uh, yeah, so Instagram, Dynamike loves you. Also Facebook, but Facebook's not as cool anymore. Instagram's still pretty cool. And you can watch some cool videos if you're feeling down in the winter when it's cold and sad. So there you go. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Mike. And so welcome. I am here with Kilted Colin. And it is a beautiful day here at Busker Rendezvous in Kingston 2019. And so you just did a performance and this was primarily a performance for kids at the beginning of the day, yeah. right? And so do you want to just walk our listeners real quick through what that act was today? Sure. Today it was uh, 
couple jokes while I'm playing the bagpipe, and then I did some hat juggling, and uh, I balanced a big pole on my head and put something on top and played the bagpipe, and then I did a little dance thing with the kids, and that was pretty much all the time I had. So it's a pretty short act, but you said you were doing acts tomorrow, so you're part of the uh, larger festival. And today. And today. Yeah. So just all weekend. All weekend. Yeah. So you're part of the whole festival here. Yeah. So what are some things that people are going to be seeing from you later on? I have a three-meter unicycle, and I play the bagpipes on top, and I juggle knives or torches if it's dark while I do it. So you were mentioning that you do this full-time. Yeah. So how does one get into full-time busking? Yeah, there isn't a normal application process for it, but you uh, research different festivals and events that are happening online or, you know, through friends, and then all events are always looking for something to excite and uh, unite a crowd, and that's where my show comes in. So. And so I guess when did you start realizing that you enjoyed doing that, uh, I guess excitement and uh, uniting the crowd? I think after I started to be able to get people to stay for the entire show without walking away, then I was like, yeah, I'm on to something. And so how long have you been doing this then? I've been doing it about a decade now. Yeah, travel all over in nine, nine different countries, three different continents, and all over the states, almost every state so far. So you mentioned you've been part of all sorts of different festivals all over the world. Yeah. How does, I guess, well, have you been to Kingston Busker Rendezvous before? I have. This is my third, fourth, uh, fourth year, fourth year here. So how does this uh, line up against some other festivals that you've been to? This is one of the best. The audiences are so nice and generous, and the organizers really make the buskers feel welcome and build a great sense of kinship and camaraderie. And you also get a pretty good venue in terms of being able to go right in the middle of downtown. Yeah, that is always what you hope for at a busker festival is that you have actual street closures where you can do shows. Otherwise, it can get a little messy because there isn't enough space. And so one quick question about, like, is there a busker community that, like, you see from show to show the oh, same people? Or absolutely. Yeah, I go and we'll do a festival in New Zealand and run into somebody and say, oh, I haven't seen you, you know, since Wellington and, you know, 15, like, you know, and you just catch up, like, because everybody is kind of living this, uh, uh, this sort of transient life and uh, you catch up with people along the way and you guys are doing the same stuff, so it's cool. So I guess, what are some of the coolest acts that you've seen over the years? I guess maybe a couple times or even just once? Man, there's this one act that is my absolute favorite. They're called Funny Bones, and uh, they are total mime acts. They don't speak at all, and they have this thing at the end where they put themselves in like a big black sheet, and they put a zombie head on the top, and they go underneath the sheet and they do this whole routine and scare the it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen on the street it's incredible so. and so i guess 
being a professional busker, you learn how to take care of yourselves no matter the weather. So we have got pretty nice weather today. It's, it's a little bit hot. You've probably been downing water bottles all yeah. day. Um, that's not water bottles. <laughs> that's, so um, in, in terms of rain or shine, what are like the ideal conditions that you like to see whenever you show up to a festival? Overcast. Because when the audience is comfortable, uh, everybody is having a good time. And uh, when it's hot and sticky, nobody really wants to participate. and They can be a little more reserved with clapping because it, it's just draining. But when it's nice and cool, everybody's like, yeah! And then obviously it's nicer for you too because then you're nice and comfortable as yeah, well. I, I would say, you know, most most people would think a nice sunny day is great for busking, but it's actually the dreary overcast days that are the best because uh, people won't admit it, but they would much rather stand around watching a show when it's a little cooler. Okay, so uh, that's about all the time that we do have for today. Thank you so much. Any last comments that you have about anything, pretty much? Yeah, come on down to the Kingston Busker Fest. Uh, come see some shows and you know, help support street performing. Awesome, thank you so much for your time. And so welcome back. I am here with CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm Michael Ashton Smith covering Kingston Buskers Rendezvous and I'm here right now with... Flo from Flow Motion Dance Company. And so I see the sign Swing Cafe there. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about what your act was for those who didn't see it? Um, our act is a, basically a street variety show. It is a whole mix of disciplines from dancing, acrobatics, fire manipulation, objects, a little bit of comedy. Um, it's a variety show. We squeezed in all we could, um, also to put in our suitcase to be able to travel. And we're happy to present it here for the very first time in Canada. So where are you guys from then? Is this the first time in Canada? Um, the company is based in Austria, but the members are from Austria and Switzerland. And we just flew in. We arrived yesterday. So how long have you guys been doing, I guess, busking? Um, I've been doing busking for a very long time, I think around 16 years. But uh, this show is relatively new, it's only three years old. Um, but it's already the third consecutive tour and we're happy to travel globally with it. And um, that's a big honor and a big challenge at the same time. So what are the, or I guess some of the countries that you visited over yeah. the years? Uh, well, we, we visit so many countries. Already this year we have been to Monaco, Switzerland, Germany, Austria. Croatia, Dubai, um, I can't, yeah, it's, it's a long list of places to go. And how does Kingston stack up against those other cities? Um, it's actually a very lovely city um, and it's very nice to be in this area and um, the people are super friendly. We're surprised how open everyone was when we arrived here and very supportive and um, you don't always have this as a busker so we, we cherish this a lot. And so for those of you who are listening right now, I'm here on the Thursday, and if you guys don't remember, the Thursday is very hot out, and you mentioned that you're working with fire manipulation. Yeah. That probably gets pretty hot out there. Um, it's getting pretty warm, yeah. Um, if I wouldn't sweat already, I would sweat even more. Um, but that's also the fun of it. Um, you can see the danger, you can see the stupidity of what we're doing, and at the same time enjoy it because we're professionals and we know what we're doing. But I like to walk this edge, and especially with fire, um, during the day it looks much more like smoke, uh, which is, wow, raw. And at night it's beautiful because the fire creates these lovely images. So uh, whenever you can, come and watch it. 
So some of the uh, acts are a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more hot, I guess, especially today. What are some of the things you do to take care of yourself during the well, hot days like today? Well, you have to hydrate, you have to drink a lot. That's one of the main keys. Also, we have some wet towels in the back to cool us down and also to cool the props down because they get hot as well. Um, those are the two main things. Drink, 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 drink and drink some more and uh, have some safety towels and everything around. Keep a good distance to the crowd um, and then it's fun for everyone. And so, I guess one last question I've got here. What are some like cool trade tricks that you know that might not be apparent from, you know, if you're viewing it from the audience side, but you guys know what's going on behind the scenes? Um, well, the trick is that all of us, our stuff fits in a kid's trolley. And at the beginning, it looks just like a tiny little thing. And we take more and more things out of the whole box. And uh, it's getting bigger and bigger. And for us, this was a trick. It's like playing Tetris um, to get everything in and also to fly with those things. Everyone who's been on an airplane, you know the limits of weight and size of your suitcase. And we had to get it all in in three suitcases. So that was the biggest trick for us so far. And so then the trolley too, uh, does that travel with you guys? Yes. Okay. And so one question I have, because it's a radio station, we love playing music. Yeah. Um, you guys were playing a lot of swing music, a lot of jazz music. Yeah. Was that the inspiration for the show? Was it just sort of a retro? Yeah, we wanted to do a 1920s swing show. We wanted to bring something different to the street. We don't talk too much. We wanted to have more like a, a dancical, a musical dancical, some lip sync. Um, we wanted to bring a new and different energy to the street. And swing is a nice thing because it, it allows you to go loose and have fun and clap. But it's not the modern electro swing or beats that everyone's using. So I think it's really a standout production. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's about all the time that we do have for today. Do you have any other comments that you want to share with our listeners? No. Kingston be as awesome as you've been for the last day. We're going to be here till Monday and we would look forward to see most of you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thank you. And so I would say one of the coolest things about this show, or actually just the process of making it, is actually getting to meet these people who give up. I don't know if it's giving up, but they... Uh, pursue what their heart really desires and i've seen all sorts of people pursue all sorts of different career paths and i gotta say busking is one of the most interesting out there and later on we will have another interview with the chef stev george and for those of you who might possibly recognize the name he is the head chef and co-owner of Olivia, which is a restaurant downtown. They serve awesome Italian cuisine. And we'll be talking about his restaurant, his career, and also a cooking demonstration that he will be doing downtown next Saturday at 11 a.m. But before that, one thing that we love to do on this show is highlight a lot of the local musical talent coming out of Kingston because there is just so much of it. This next track we have is from a group called the Allisons who play a moody indie rock, alternative rock type of music. This song is called Thoughtless.
And welcome back to Life of Kingston on CFRC 101.9. You are either listening on our desktop app or mobile apps available on Google Play or the Apple Store. Or, you know, maybe you're listening on uh, the radio itself or maybe you're listening on Kojko Cable Channel 282. We've got so many different ways for you to listen to your favorite radio content. Speaking of favorite radio content, you just heard the Allisons with their song Thoughtless. And up next, you have an interview with Chef Stev George of Olivea. And for those of you who don't know or weren't here about five minutes ago for me to say it as well, he is hosting a chef cooking demo on or in downtown Kingston, this Saturday at 11 a.m., just at Market Square. Market Square. And now we can listen to an interview that I got with Stev yesterday at his restaurant at the corner of Brock and King. Welcome. I am here with CFRC 101.9. I am Michael Ashton-Smith. And for those of you not familiar with the name Stev George, it's likely that you're familiar with his restaurant here at the corner of Brock and King. Uh, he co-founded with his wife in 2008. It is Olivia. And that's not the name of his wife, that's the name of his restaurant. Uh, it's a restaurant that serves some of the best Italian cuisine that you'll find in Kingston. And their secret is to try and find uh, natural and local ingredients to keep their recipes as authentically Italian as possible. And uh, they accomplished this by traveling to Italy annually, taking some staff along with them so that they can learn as much about Italian food as possible. And today we have Stem with us to learn as much about him as we can over the next 20 minutes or so. So welcome, Stem. It's, uh, it's great to have you on. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. So uh, let's dive right in and talk about Olivia from it. So let's start at the beginning. Um, you and your wife started the restaurant in 2008. Yes. So yes. what prompted this decision here? Oh, well, we had a restaurant in Gananoque called Casabella uh, until 2007, uh, for the first part of the 2000s. And uh, it was a really wonderful kind of destination restaurant. It was our dream restaurant. but. There was only business in the in the summer, and we had three kids, so we decided moving to Kingston was a better idea uh, for our life and our lifestyle for our kids, and uh, we uh, opened a restaurant in downtown Kingston instead. And so you mentioned you lived here prior to that as well. Um, so what was like? Are you familiar with how the local culinary scene was before you opened up here? And how do you think that's evolved over the years? Yeah, I think, uh, well, some places have been here a long time, like Shea Piggy, and uh, I worked at Shea Piggy uh, when I was in my teens, and also Panchancho, uh, you know, places like Woodenheads and Chen Noir were here long before we were, and uh, there's always been a pretty cool independent restaurant scene here. And uh, I like that. I like that Kingston, until recently, was mostly independently run restaurants downtown. And, uh, you know, that, that just gives character. It's every, everyone is different. You know, you, you don't know what to expect. Uh, and you get a bit of a following. And, and it's fun to try all the different restaurants down here. And you said that was up until recently. Have there been any recent changes to the local scene here? 
Uh, well, yes, there's been a few of the, the bigger chain restaurants come in. Um, first, there was, uh, well, there's Milestones and, and Jack Astor's and uh, The Keg was here even before that. Um, but, they, you know, they complement what's going on here in a way because we're not, there's really not a huge amount of competition between us. Uh, there's so many different types of customers out there that I know there's a lot of people that don't want to go to an independent restaurant there's only one of and they're not sure what the food is going to be like and they're nervous. But when you go to places like the keg that's across Canada, you know what to expect and it's the same everywhere. So it really depends on your uh, uh, experimental uh, culinary uh, senses, uh, what you like to do. Yeah. And so you mentioned that you worked at Sheep Piggy and Chancho and those, were those, uh, I guess, experiences influential in terms of your own technique? Oh yes, own? very, very. The owners of Shea Piggy, Zal and, Yoz, uh, Zal and Rose Yanofsky, Zal Yanofsky, Rose Richardson, um, they, they were very influential because uh, that was my first restaurant job. And uh, they taught me a lot about how to run an in interesting and independent restaurant that maybe doesn't run like all the other restaurants. Uh, they did things in their own way and I found it very creative. I found it very uh, family-like the way it was run. You know, the, they were the head of the family and we were all uh, working together. And uh, so I've tried, I've taken a lot of those things that I learned and ingrained them into our Olivea family. Like, uh, we call it a family because we are, we work together. We spend a lot of time together, so I want it to feel like, you know, you're at home, you're with your sisters and brothers, and you're, sometimes you're fighting and sometimes you're not, but in, in the end, we all got to support each other and help each other. And it's, a, it's a good feeling. And so that's another question that I had was in terms of what you've incorporated from these experiences into Olivea. And I guess what you said is more from a managerial perspective and it's just how you interact with the staff and it feels like family, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess restaurants are something that evolve over time to the family. Um, what are some evolutions that you've seen over the years at this restaurant specifically? At this restaurant? Well, uh, we've had restaurants are typically of high turnover rate, uh, so we've worked very hard at at keeping our staff. I mean, that's a, that's the fundamental, most important thing that we've really strived to do. Uh, you you can't have people constantly coming and going if you want to have that cohesive feeling and that feeling of family. Uh, <clears throat> it's more like a rooming house. <laughs> instead of a family, instead of a home. So, you know, we've done things like take them to Italy, uh, which I think is an exciting thing, and uh, I tour them around, and, and they get to taste all the wines and the food there, and we have a great time. So that's part of it, like, and just trying to develop that camaraderie, which is not always easy, but it's very, very important. And so, in terms of 
to influence that JPEG or the potential would have had on you? Do you think that you might have the same influence on some of these people coming through? I hope so, yeah, I hope so. I really think, I've, I've had staff say to me, I've never worked anywhere like this. I, I, I like coming to work. And that's, for me, that's the bottom line. I don't call it work. I, I, I say I'm going to Olive, I'm going to the restaurant. And it, it's, it's a lifestyle rather than work. I don't like to kind of try to separate the two. Um, and I've had a lot of the staff say I really enjoy coming to work. It's great because I've had jobs I was, I didn't want to go to. So people love working here. And, um, you know, some of my kitchen staff have been to Toronto and worked in restaurants where they're screaming at you and they're treating you poorly and they're making you work long, long hours for, uh, like, a day pay rate instead of by the hour. And, and anyways, it's not a great... But there's so much competition and so many people looking for jobs that they can do that. But it doesn't feel good, you know? Those, those employees are not very happy. So anyways, I want to have happy employees. And that's one of the great things about this show is I get to talk to so many different people who do what they love doing for a living. And it seems like yeah. that's definitely the same or the case for you. <clears throat> yeah, I love what I'm doing. If somebody said, oh, would you choose something different? Nope. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I just wouldn't. And so I guess a change of topics here, more shifting into the demo that you're going to be doing on Saturday. You yeah. You frequently mention how important it is to source your food or the influence that the source of your food has on the taste. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I think uh, that's one of the things that being um, an independent single uh, restaurant, not, not part of a chain or or having many, many locations, <coughs> is that we can really find farmers to work with and develop a relationship with them as well and commit to them and they commit to us and we, we work together and uh, sometimes they don't always have what we want, but they have something else. So we compromise, we, we change according to like the weather nature is fickle like we don't know what it's going to do so if all of the arugula in in the field dies or gets a blight well we got to find something different you know uh, so as much as possible we try to stay local obviously in the winter we can't get our lettuce locally but uh, having those relationships with farmers is very important to me um, it's a very difficult life farming uh, there's a lot of stuff working against farmers and I admire them so much they put in longer hours than probably we do in the restaurant business and it's a seven days a week it doesn't end <laughs> so I, I really feel it's important to support them and uh, really support support local local businesses, that's where we can make a difference. You know, buying stuff from a farm in California is, sure, I mean, that's helping their economy or their uh, employment uh, down there, but what about locally? I think you can make more of an impact if you do things locally, and it, you can see it better, so it's tangible, and I think that's pretty important. I think also one of the biggest benefits, too, is the image. It, it helps all of it to be seen as some of that helps local farmers, local producers, 
Uh, well, what are some sure. of the costs that come along with this fun thing? Well, you know, actually, uh, you know, people think, oh, it's going to cost a whole lot more. There's, I, I would say it's, it's a little more difficult to get the products, but if you're willing to kind of take the time to, you know, put your orders into different farmers or uh, growers and accept that they only deliver on a certain day and, and you're willing to go with that rather than have a huge truck pull up and everything's on it, then uh, if you can coordinate that all right, I don't find that there's any uh, other costs, like it doesn't save you money by buying uh, produce from from California or Florida or anywhere because uh, stuff is coming from all over the world. I mean, there's hidden costs too, of course, of all the transportation and and you know, the uh, emissions and you don't really know what kind of pesticides and, and stuff they're using to grow the food. Here, I deal with farmers who are mostly organic and uh, they can tell you all about the tomato they're delivering. They grew it, you yeah. know? It's, there's just something about that connection that is worth going to a little more effort. And then in terms of the ingredients, do they ever come to you and say, hey, let's, we might not be able to give you this, but we can give you this. And does that influence yes. your own menu at all? Yes, I mean, we have a menu that's, uh, that's fairly simple. Um, so there are certain products that we need to get and we can't always get locally. But for the most part, with our uh, dinner mains, we, we find whatever is available that's in season, tastes better, it's fresher, doesn't travel as far. And we use that as our, our vegetables and our side dishes. And then we make different risottos. So we'll feature whatever's in season uh, in the risotto. Uh, we make pasta features and that might uh, use something that all this also that's in season yeah. and so people will be learning this at the chef demo that you'll be hosting on Kingston Saturday correct yes and, um, correct what are some other things are they gonna learn how to prepare as <coughs> well well so on Saturday I'm going to because I so I, I really did go to the market that's what that's what you do you want to know what's in season you go to the market so go to the market everybody uh, not the supermarket <laughs> that's coming from all over the place um, and I just wandered around and I asked questions and I said what what have you got coming in next week you know are your uh, asparagus is on the way out it's done local asparagus but we've got lots of scapes garlic scapes. So these are the uh, basically the stem and the flower that's going to grow out of the garlic bulb. They cut it off so that the bulb itself grows bigger and doesn't put energy into producing a flower. So then you get a nice head of garlic. But these, and they used to just take these uh, flowers and garlic scapes and throw them in the compost. And uh, it's probably Oh, 15, 16 years ago that a farmer came to me with these garlic scapes and he said, I don't know what to do with these, but uh, I'll, I'll sell them to you. And I said, well, how much are they? And they're like, I don't know, 
50 cents a pound or something. Uh, and so I got a huge amount of these things and I started experimenting and I made like garlic scape soup. I tempura fried them, uh, grilled them, did all sorts of things with them. And uh, since then, garlic scapes are actually much harder to find because everybody wants them. They're in demand and uh, they're being used all over the place. And of course, they've like quadrupled. I think they're like $4 a pound now. So they're, they're quite a lot more expensive. And so in your experimentation there, what did you find actually worked? Uh, well, I, I make a really great garlic scape soup. It's really delicious. Um, and they're not, it's a mild garlic flavor, if you've ever had green garlic, but it's, it's not really strong and, and pungent. It's got a nice mellow green-like flavor. Uh, and I like blanching them and then just sautéing them in a pan with some other vegetables, because they're really pretty. They're these curly cute, these circles, these spirals. I like spirals. <laughs> and uh, what I'm doing on Saturday, though, is I'm making a garlic scape pesto. And it's just uh, raw garlic scapes, trimmed and washed, and then chopped them because they're a little fibrous. And they're pureed uh, in a, like a food processor with some olive oil and, and other ingredients. And uh, used like you would use basil pesto. And you just toss the pasta in a pan to heat it through and that kind of brings out all the flavors lightly cooks it but you just want to warm it and then uh, i'm going to add things to it like uh, some local zucchini from foreman farms and some cherry tomatoes just for a little color and a little additional vegetable uh, so it makes a nice dish you can make this for dinner and uh, the type of pasta i'm going to do is called maltaliata which means poorly cut so you can imagine I'm going to roll. I'm going to make some pasta dough, roll it out into flat sheets, and then I'm going to take uh, a knife or a roller and just cut it. But not in any straight, nice designs. But they'll be like badly cut. <laughs> it's a. It's it is actually a a type of cut that's used in Italy, and probably mostly with the ends of the pasta after making ravioli, or you have a little bit left and. You don't have like a special cutter, so you just do it by hand, freeform, right? And so people will be learning how to make this for themselves at the uh, demo? Yeah, so I demo it. I show them how all the steps and how to do it. You know, people often like to see how fresh pasta is made and how they think it's really hard and it's actually pretty easy as long as you have a pasta roller. But you can also roll it out by hand, but it's much easier with a pasta roller. And they're not expensive. And I, uh, I make the whole dish from beginning to end, and then we bring over the finished dish from Olivea for them to taste. They get a taster. And so I guess in addition to this cooking demo on Saturday, what are some other events or promotions that you've got going on with Olivea? Um, well, we do Mojito Mondays on Mondays. So we make you know, fresh, we squeeze all the limes ourselves, get fresh mint, and nice uh, Cuban rum, Bacardi, and we uh, a little bit of simple syrup, so a little sweetener, and uh, we shake them up ourselves or mix them in the glass, muddle the, muddle the limes and the mint together, and they're just amazing. 
We had different flavors like raspberry and white peach and the classic lime, it's just lime. Uh, so that's quite popular. Mondays, you know, come out, sit on the patio if it's a nice day and have a mojito. So they're reduced price as well, like they're $7 on Mondays, I believe. Um, and what else do we do? We got jazz night, so it's, tonight's a Tuesday, and we're talking right now about uh, jazz night is going to start tonight. So we have four different groups uh, that perform here, and they alternate uh, one every Tuesday night for a month. <clears throat> And then the next month, it's the same. So uh, I think tonight it's the downtown trio, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and so we, we have a great time. Six to nine, the, the band plays. And, and we're open from five till uh, the kitchen's open till nine, 9.30. It depends on, on the business. But yeah, it's, it's a fun night, too. Uh, and there's not too many places in town that are doing live music while you have dinner in the restaurant, it's it can be it can be a lot of fun. That's about all the time that we do have today. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so thank you to Steph for coming up on our show. It's great having you. For those of you who want to learn a little bit more about how to properly use local ingredients, uh, you can attend Steph's cooking demo this Saturday at 11 a.m. downtown Kingston. Yes. So is that just at Market Square here? In Market Square, in the little the amphitheater. Uh, so you go down the stairs and sit somewhere. It's shaded uh, in, under some of the trees. So, yeah, it should be great. And so for those of you who can't attend that this week, uh, some other local chefs will be hosting similar demonstrations throughout the summer. Uh, they'll be every Saturday at 11 o'clock until August 24th. And, of course, if your cooking is your, your thing, then that's okay, too. You can still head on down to Olivea at any time for some authentic Italian cuisine prepared by Steph and his team. Uh, it's just at the corner of Rock and King. Once again, thank you to Steph, and uh, good luck with your demo this Saturday. Thank you. And uh, good luck with the restaurant, too. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. And so that was a pleasure speaking to Stev. It was a wonderful environment in there. Love the smells. And I've been there before. I really like the food. I remember one time I went there a couple of years ago and I just bought this new shirt. And one of the waiters said, hey man, nice shirt. And I said, thanks. And I don't know what it was, but that experience just stuck with me. You know, you don't really hear too many compliments on your clothes. I guess if, if you're me, you don't really hear too many compliments on your clothes. Anyways, up next, if you're this band, Oak Ridge Avenue, stylized Oak Ridge A-V-E dot, you probably would be hearing a lot of compliments on your music. This is a funky rock trio. I guess indie rock's the best way to categorize them, but they really are, you know, they bring a step to their beat. Really great stuff. This song is called Endless Nights. It was recently released in April, and it is one of my favorite songs that I've played on this show so far. It's just tight. I gotta say that's the best way to describe it. I love it, and I love the energy that these guys bring. Uh, there were three friends born and raised in downtown Kingston sharing a passion for music and booze, not always in that order according to their band camp, and I feel like that's a pretty good way to describe their energy that they bring to their music. This song's called Endless Nights, 
and they might be playing it at their next show on July 27th. They'll be playing at the Toucan alongside Mauve Grove, and that should be a solid night of funky jams. I should probably play this song now so that you guys can hear it too. This is Endless Nights from Oak Ridge Avenue. Welcome back. You just heard the local band Oak Ridge Avenue with their song Endless Nights. And they might be performing that at the Toucan on July 27th. 
And so this is going to wrap up most of the content that we do have for today. Just a quick recap of some other stuff that you might want to check out over the next week or so. There is glass blowing classes going on July 12th at 5 p.m. at the Kingston Glass Studio and Gallery. For those of you who want to try your hand at something you might not have done before, a similar thing, there are drop-in spin pottery classes and workshops going on at the Amaranth Stoneware. And uh, that's going to be going on the same day, July 12th at 6.30. There's going to be plenty of music going on downtown at Market Square. Uh, You can check out downtown Kingston for music in the square or movies in the square. Those are going on on Thursday nights too. There's plenty to check out. Just go down to visitkingston.ca slash events and you will see so much things that you guys can do too. That's all the time that we have here today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Life of Kingston on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm Michael Ashton Smith, and I'm going to leave you with these messages before heading off to our next program of the day. Thank you, and have a great day. Look around you. Over 1.6 billion people live in substandard housing, and 100 million people are homeless in the world. Everyone deserves a roof over their head and a safe place to go home. That's why for Habitat for Humanity, it's vital to mobilize volunteers and community partners to build affordable housing and promote homeownership as a means to break the cycle of poverty. Through volunteer labor, money, and materials donated to the ReStore, you can share Habitat's vision of a brighter future. Log on to HabitatKingston.com to help Habitat for Humanity bring in more families home today. A house is only the beginning of a life-changing experience for both volunteers and Habitat Partner families. FEET is a Toronto-based community organization that seeks to support families affected by the prison system. We offer weekly youth programming and provide rides to federal prisons every weekend for family visits. We drive from the GTA to the Kingston prisons on Saturdays and to Workworth and Beaver Creek institutions on alternating Sundays. To book a ride, get more information, or find out how you can get involved, please call 416-505-5333 or write to us at FEAT Feet, 432 Horner Avenue, Etobicoke, Ontario, Mike 8 Whiskey, 2 Bravo 2. That's M A W. 2B2. Or visit feetforchildren.org 